This week on Welcome Back to Roswell, we're talking episodes Max in the City and a Roswell Christmas Carol. Um, the first episode has a lot of weird New York. The second episode has a lot of God. So these are two strange and fun episodes of Roswell. I'm super psyched to talk to Patrick about them and hear his take. What is the vicious rumor about Liz at school? That she slept with Kyle Valenti. What is living in the sewers better than, according to Rath? Brooklyn. Name two things Rath steals during the episode. Uh, A bag of chips and a can of soda. What does Rath use as a pointer when showing Max and Tess the diagram of the five worlds? A baguette. What did Isabel do from cranberry sauce through peach cobbler at Thanksgiving dinner? We've got got a real problem here because my question is, from what, between what two Thanksgiving (laughs) dishes did Isabel and her mother cry through well it was bound to happen bound to happen i like that we approached it two different ways <laughs> um your question was noticeably harder than my question which harder. is probably fair given the dynamics of this podcast yeah i'll agree with that because you're you're we, the pro i'm, I'm, I'm the pro yeah i even um and i didn't tell you this before we record i even reviewed the entries in my roswell episode guidebook um to see if there was any like really interesting tidbits about these episodes there aren't (laughs) Um, i was like like there's a fun stuff in this book and if we ever like get hard up for content there's definitely like like it has some really interesting things in it but not a lot of trivia about these these episodes particularly so (laughs) i've got nothing for it (laughs) These are weird episodes. Um, yes, and really, we're only talking about one episode right now. Sorry, know, you haven't even right. seen the other one. <laughs> oh, I, like, thought, weird. I thought you were saying uh, last episode and this one. Well, I did read, yes. I read the trivia for the last yeah. episode, too. Really. I thought there might be something interesting about how the dupes were starting, but no, nothing. I will say, not Wrath, but for Lonnie and Ava, the the realism or like the, they became, mu- they were more grounded this week than last week. Yeah. Ava, especially. I feel like my heart hurt for Ava in every scene she appears in. Yeah. Like you know, she's like asleep behind the dumpster uh, behind the crash down. And it's just like, yeah, what do you want? I don't know. This is where I am now. <laughs> this is all I have. <laughs> and then like Liz lets her like, you know, sleep in the, like I guess in their apartment above above the restaurant, yeah. um, and she's like waking up with like PTSD flashbacks of uh, Zan getting killed. Like it's all horrifying. And then Max and or uh, Michael and Isabel are like, "All right, bitch, tell us what you know." <laughs> <laughs> and like the whole thing is just like, "Leave her alone. She's traumatized. She needs your help." And then at the end of the episode, 
Liz is just like, goodbye and good luck, baby. Oh, my God. I think this is one of, and I get that like a show is a show and there's lots of other reasons for doing things. Yeah. If, if it wasn't a TV show, if this was like a series of books or a, just a fanfic or anything else, any kind of novel, Ava would stay in town. She'd work at the crash down. She Absolutely. may not hang out with them all the time, but she would be available for alien questions. Mm-hmm. And she'd be a resource. And a friend. I mean, and a friend. She, she needs the friend. They obviously yes. need friends. Like, come on, let, let's <laughs> please a little pity for Ava. Like she just lost everything. Basically. Why are we letting her back out into the world? I She's guess gonna be she can't. Emily DeRavine can't play two characters uh, here's, under contract okay. <laughs> for more than uh, two episodes at a time. Right. Um, here is something last week we talked about how, uh, Ava is basically the hot goth version of, yes. uh, of Claire, um, from Lost, uh, when they do like the flashback, uh, and we see hot goth Claire, um, mm-hmm. like we got to see that. I feel like this episode was also sort of giving us, um, hints of feral Claire from season five of Lost when they go back to the, or maybe six, five or six, when they go back yeah. to the island and like, she's been there the whole time. No, this is a good actress who has many things she can share. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> no, it's good. And I think even Tess we get to see a little more of. Though mm-hmm. True. <laughs> though I do feel like and I know I know everything because I've seen every episode. So right. I know exactly how much more Ava we get. I know all this. Right. But like You're the snob, I'm the slob. <laughs> yes, we got that as dynamic. The snob, I do feel like there's some things in this episode. Max straight up says to Tess, you never did anything wrong. You were always so nice to me. All you did was be right. kind. And... Right. No, 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 no. She showed up and seduced you and tricked you with alien powers to make right. out with her in the rain. We all saw it. Right. And to have weird fantasies about making out in on Bunsen burners. We all know it. Yes. She lied to you about being an alien. She lied to you about Nisado. She totally infiltrated your friend group with... I mean, it turned out, I guess, not nefarious means, but like, but like, stor- she's not an though. angel. She's okay. It's it's not nefarious if you like take an alien centric like view of it, but if you take a like Max centric view, like the thing that Max cares most about is, or at least was at that time, yep. Liz, and even yes. now isn't alien shit. The stuff that he cares most about is his family. A hundred percent. So, like, yeah, she's not. But I get why he is thinking of her this way, but it is a little revision. I almost wish she had said, well, you know, when I came to town, I was kind of a bad girl. But And and then he could just be like, blah, 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 (laughs) blah. But we don't get that from her. Um, But no, this is a, like I said, I feel like both Lonnie and Ava are more grounded. Wrath is still just kind of wrath, but still even his wrathness is like, I feel like last episode he was in an eleven. He's like an eight in this. It's fine. It's fine. And the- well, hold on though. Is he truly at an eight in this? He starts off the episode like grabbing a sandwich off a table. <laughs> and then yelling about it having mayo on it. Yeah. <laughs> Who does pastrami and mayo? It's like, it's All this right. uh, angry New Yorker character. That I feel like if maybe the punk rockness of him has turned down, 
from uh, 11 to 8, the New Yorker in him has turned yes. from 8 back up to 11. And I guess, for me, maybe it's that the version of New York that he's in feels completely appropriate. Like, because nobody in New York seems to side-eye him. <laughs> They're like, yep, this is how we is. We're all New Yorkers. Even well, that, later, that lady he stole is... the bagel from. The lady he stole the bagel from is like, or the the baguette from, um, is, is like, huh? <laughs> like, she is, but she's like, oh man, got to go back to the the boulangerie. Yeah, only in New York. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying Nicholas was saying. Well, and Nicholas is like, I hate this town, and every like, there's just the version of New York. I mean. Like, as we mentioned last week, it is the version of New York from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They live right, in the, the sewers. movie, that's correct. They have electricity and all mm-hmm. of the conveniences of modern life in their sewer home. And, like, like a chandelier, too. Like, it's a little yes. bit, it's a little bit the, uh, the Ninja Turtles base from uh, Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, when they find mm-hmm. that, like, uh, abandoned train station. It's a little bit yes. like that. Yes, it definitely has vibes. And I will say for this show, I mean, the version of New York is definitely a version of New York. <laughs> I feel like the show is usually like the crash down is fun, but yeah. the set dressing and the UFO center is also fun. But like they seem like they could exist in the world. Like they, you could have a diner that was alien themed. Yeah. Yeah, like totally. the school looks like a school, the home looks like a home. But no, this is straight up a sewer house. The sewer house is a lot to deal with. And also like their relationship to the sewer house cuz like Wrath is playing again uh with like continued Ninja Turtle references like he's mm-hmm. playing with like a hockey stick like, you know, yes. uh, echoes of Casey Jones there. Um but like He wishes yeah yeah absolutely casey jones is so much cooler than wrath (laughs) so much cooler Um, sorry wrath (laughs) but like he hits a ball or a puck or something Mm -hmm. across the room and it shatters some glassware that they must have down there for a reason right like no and no one gives a shit no one cares well they treat it sort of like yeah like an abandoned house they found but also (laughs) like their parents rec room but there's no parents yeah. Um, and oh, just for context, if if for some reason you're listening to this and not watching the show, you should watch the show. But the to remind you, if it's been a little while, this sure. is the sewer where they live is also where their pods were. Yeah. So they popped right out of the pods into this magic sewer house. And we don't know where their shapeshifter is, and they don't really like when you ask questions. <laughs> well, I mean they. Uh, they're not going to answer any questions that Max has, right? Like they, they established yeah. or, or Tess. Yeah. They established those priorities pretty early. Well, and like bonus, if Tess asks the questions and they also say something demeaning about women too, like yes, that's, always. that's the other thing that gets to happen. It's insane. Um, the, and we learn pretty quickly. I mean, there's like triple crosses happening, but we learn pretty quickly. There's a double cross. Yes. Coming. That Wrath and Lonnie are willing to do whatever they need to do to get home. And if that means sacrificing Max, then so be it. Yeah. And then on top of that, um, Nicholas and Lonnie have like a side deal to like just get her back. Yes. If they get the Granolith. Although, is that it? Or what what, what does she need to do? She wants to go home no matter what. 
Mm-hmm. She's willing to kill Max no matter what. So that's how she leaves it. Like they really do leave <laughs> it. And then ultimately. So Nicholas springs a trap for Max. Yes. To give them the granolith and come to the home planet and they will kill Max once he arrives in the home planet. Max doesn't know that third part. But But Max doesn't fall for it anyway. He doesn't fall for the trap. But what's pretty much Lonnie told Nicholas she would still kill Max. Right. Well what's what's your read on like Max's savviness there? Because like I, I don't think he has any sense of what's like going on on like the alien level there. Like he only he only says he's not going back and he's not giving them the granolith because he wants to stay in New Mexico, right? Did he just want to I like think stay it's with two him. pieces? I think one piece is what he tells his sister at the end is that mm-hmm. he wouldn't leave with he would leave with Isabella and Michael in a way he would not never leave them behind. Right. So he's not going to leave with these two sketchy people who are gross who just happen <laughs> to look like his sister and brother. Oh, and I think it's that. I think it goes back to what Liz told him. Liz said it's important. And so he's just believing her. The granolith. Yeah. That the granolith is important. So I feel like those two things add together. Um, And he also, he's Max. He makes, he tends to make the safe choice. That is true. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's something that like, we, you know, we mentioned as, as we were watching that, like, this episode has a lot of uh, Battlestar Galactica vibes to mm-hmm. it, um, and you know this is a uh, a, a Ronald D. Moore script, um, yeah. so like that that all checks out. But like you know the the thing that both this episode and sort of you know the, this whole season, but like really kind of comes to the fore here, um, has in common with Battlestar Galactica is that there is um, this ancient conflict kind of running in the background that mm-hmm. is not. Um, like immediately or obviously tied to the experience of the characters that we're following, you know, like they oh, have yeah. it as part of their ancestral history, but not part of their personal history. Um, and like, it's big and and important, but our characters get to be as detached from it as, well, I don't want to go somewhere without my sister and brother. Totally. And they, and like, I feel like this is very like the irony of how war works in, Battlestar Galactica kind of worlds too is that like he does save his own life by making this kind of impulsive selfish choice yeah like in yeah. some ways that like and even his friend um who Brody we find out Brody is abducted or it's they're not abductions they're like they're possession. like hijackings yeah. yeah so but so Larrick who is the one the alien who takes likes to take over Ooh, Brody's getting body. all these alien names yes so Larry is like, you know, kind of chides Max for his choices. He's like, you know, you always stood up for shit and that got you killed before. And now here you are again, trying to stand up for shit and getting killed. But like Max makes the right choice based on everything yeah. we know. And we know more than he does, but he kind of, he kind of lucks into it. He's almost the guy's Baltar of this show. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Ryan, <laughs> I'm sorry. These are just truths. They're just no, dripping. It's, that's absolutely true. Just sort of like makes the selfish choice, and you mm-hmm. know, like you know, whatever. It's not to put like a value judgment on it. Yeah, but like makes the selfish, self-serving, self-preservation choice, and like because of it, avoids 
doom in one form or another. Yep. He avoids doom and theoretically, I mean, based on what we know of Kavar, right? Like there could be a twist where we turn, it turns out that he's a, a despot who actually benefits his people. That sure. could, we could find that yeah. out maybe. They're, they're, uh, but like, I mean, he seems bad. If Nicholas is like his emissary on Earth. Yes, then, he like, seems bad. bad. If he is the reason that Isabel betrayed her brother, that's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Um, no. That's the other thing that gets very casually mentioned in this episode. Um, Or at least Nic- Nicholas says it in such a casual way. Oh, by the way, if one group is is the throwaway group, it's the guys in New York. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, I I, I like that. I like that idea um, that, like, you know, seeing the New York guys who, like, are way more plugged into, like, who the aliens are and, like, you know, what the shape of the, you know, intergalactic conflict is, um, that, uh, yeah, obviously they're not the real aliens. Um because the other ones are hidden away and they know where the granolith is like mm-hmm. also like i i know th- i know they talk through why one of them has to be the real set and why the other set like why there has to be a real one and a uh like sort of backup one but why could they not both be equally real i think they could be i think it's just a mythology choice they made yeah okay all right fair enough um but yeah I no think, i think i think yeah. that's cool but yeah, it it I like the way it's delivered and that for cuz like if if Wrath and Lonnie were different characters or thinking differently, that would be like a life altering paradigm shift information. <laughs> but both <laughs> of them are kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. But it's like, no, dude, you're the useless one. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I, I don't know that that, like, that totally doesn't matter to them anymore, right? Like, they're, they're both in, like, survival mode. You know, they live in the fucking sewers of New York City. Like, they make their own value. Um, They cut their own deals. Uh, I, I don't think being I guess, but real I matters just, to them. And I guess I know, I know more stuff. You do know more stuff. But to me, it's like Lonnie... If Kavar wants Valandra back, you're not it. Yeah. And unless yeah. you kill Isabel, you're not even the best choice of the teenage versions. Um, that's interesting about uh about Lonnie saying, like, I remember what it was like to be Valandra. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I, I feel like we get a little bit of that just in Isabel too, that like the uh the Valandra like clone or whatever we're calling the mm-hmm. the a- aliens um that those versions have a stronger connection back to the original than the rest of them do which is interesting cuz you think if you were des- if you had the power to design them you would make her and you were her mother or whatever you would make her have the least amount of connection why is that cuz she's where she's where it went wrong oh fair enough <laughs> like she betrayed the whole family. The person that she betrayed with is the person who took over and killed everybody. So like you would think that you would make her have the least number of memories. 
Well, so maybe it has something to do with like the nature of her powers, right? That she That's has true. this sort of like psychic uh, presence, this ability to like astral project, which of course Liz now has too, and we'll have to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but that like there is a, a Volandra that exists outside of the like original Volandra essence that can like sort of permeate the universe um, and like reach out to these other vessels that also have Volandra in them. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it gives Kevin Heigl stuff to do. And I think that's what, and that's what she does in this episode. She does a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's, okay. So she's great. She, and she's great in this episode. Um, I had a tough time watching that scene where she's seducing the 14 year old. Yeah, I think. It's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. I think it's a nice, at least. And I can't really remember how back when it was a surprise, but I do feel like it's a good twist. The because you don't expect anyone to have sexual attention with Nicholas, right? Right. You sir, you don't expect someone to seduce him. So it, I like it as like a weird sci-fi thing. <laughs> um, well, didn't we get a little like tease of it when uh, is Isabel met him in? um skin city whatever it was called well he um, like flirted with yeah her he was before. flirting with yeah. her yeah but she she wasn't she wasn't biting on that no but i guess lonnie has bitten <laughs> i couldn't remember if they kissed and i was like did they kiss i can't remember but i'm kind of glad they didn't especially legit, after I looked up his age in yeah real life. legit the actor was born in 1986 which means he was 14 yeah. at the time of of, of filming here two too young, too, too young. Too um, young to have a makeout scene with Katherine Heigl. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would have loved it, but too young. Too young. Um, yeah. Ooh. But but I do <laughs> like it as a twist. But it, it it goes back to and we and this is something the show will explore. Uh, sorry, spoiler, I guess, but there is left to explore is how you know we know that Isabel betrayed her family for Kavar. How does Kavar feel about La, uh, Valandra? Did he actually love her? Does he care to see her again? Does he care about her? Yeah. All of that. Because there's also a piece of like, if if Kavar doesn't give a shit about Valandra, if he was using her to, to, you know, to topple a regime and now it's just like some chicky banged, is he really going to let his second in command bring her back? Yeah, right. Right, like, right, right. All of that, but all, none of that is, you know, we haven't, as far as we know, we have not seen any seen Kavar or heard from him in any way. God, it's so crazy. Like, because obviously, like, so much of that is driving what's happening. Mm -hmm. But like, as as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that. Like, just like I was saying, there's no like personal connection that a lot of these characters have to this, you know, huge galactic conflict. Yeah. Um, it's all like ancestral, um, and so like hearing you describe it feels like I'm listening to someone talk about um like the deep lore of like a comic <laughs> book universe where like I'm just reading Batman and like you're telling me about what's happening in Red Hood and the Outlaws and I'm like <laughs> okay sure. um but yeah so I just it's the 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 Lonnie <laughs> Nicholas deal feels yeah. like two chumps making a deal with each other cuz mm, neither of them sure. is the actual one it's not it's right. not kavar yeah. and alondra making a deal with each other i guess um because they're 
you know, because even Nicholas saying, like, yeah, I'll bring you home. You just have to kill Max. How is he going to do that? He doesn't have the power to bring her home. If he had the power to take people home, he'd go home. I, I, we still even don't know how he survived the skin no. getting nuked, right? No, we have no idea how he survived. Like, right now, I'm sort of under the assumption that, like, he is operating, like, maybe has a line back home to uh, Kivar, but, like, is kind of operating without most of his resources at this point. Well, because he does accuse Tess of committing genocide. Sure does say genocide, yes. <laughs> so it's like, how, it, but you, but, <laughs> so does that mean everyone else is dead? Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen any skins around, so that's something. Right. Um, Man, that's so good when <laughs> when he says, have you killed anyone today? And she's like, day's not over yet. Yep. I like Tess. Um, I, like I don't think she has been perfect ever since we met her and only did kind things, but I do like her. Um, yeah, um, and I think it's I think it's three times that Nicholas refers to New York City as a town. Is that weird? Yeah, it is. But remember, he's like very old. That's true. He's do... been mm-hmm. like he should be in his fifties or sixties. So maybe he's doing it the way like Frank Sinatra would. Hmm. But I mean that I feel like that's a that's a uh, a term of endearment, right? That like you know, like, oh that old town. I mean I wonder if maybe just uh alien cities are, you know, way bigger and way oh, more maybe. dense. Uh and so like he's he sees New York City trying to be like, you know, this big bustling metropolis and is like, This isn't shit. And I still think that's an affectation that. though. Hmm. Because yeah, you know it's the biggest town america has to offer and one of the biggest towns the earth has to offer right, right, right so it's it's still an affect i i don't know or they just i think they write to nicholas to what they think will be funny for a fort a grumpy 14 year old boy to say <laughs> uh, and i guess they are correct on on the on that count um we haven't talked about the anger that you do not understand which is the anger that maria comes at Liz in with. Yes. So, yes, uh, per per one of your um, questions. um, Wait, what was the question? How did you pose? There was a vicious rumor about Liz at school. Yeah, the vicious rumor. That's right. And that's the thing, because Maria is not ready for the truth. She comes over to Liz, like, essentially being like, oh, my God, Liz, you will not believe what people are like. One, you won't believe what people are saying about you, but also, like, you should know what people are saying about you. We can figure out how to squash this. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. They think you slept with Kyle. Right. And Liz and is then like, like, I did. Uh, I did. And then so, she's like, no, no, no. You don't understand, Liz. I mean, like, sexually slept with. Like, had intercourse with. Oh, Maria. Well, Maria doesn't think it's possible. Uh, well, and she's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is underneath all of this. Maria is not wrong, which... Two points for Maria. I mean, she's wrong with how much she's flirting with Brody at the end of the episode. But no, it's a real problem. But, okay, but, <laughs> but also... It worse in this next episode. There's a look back at him, like, when uh-huh. he's in the crash down, that I'm like, no, thank you. Don't need it. <sighs> no. um, so, okay. Uh, first question, and it's fine if we don't have an answer to this. Okay. But how did that rumor get started? I Is would Kyle say... someone? I wonder, or or Tess, the people who know about it are Kyle, Tess, and Max. Okay, yes. 
I uh, endless. I don't think Max is telling anyone. No way. I do think that Max and Tess are talking about it a lot. Mm, and maybe so, not really aware of. Yeah, so like maybe someone overheard. Okay. I don't I think Max that. and Kyle are talking about it at all. <laughs> I think possibly Kyle and Tess again are talking about it. But like at home. Yeah, probably at home. So I'm saying it's probably Max and Tess having a conversation and someone overhearing. Maybe pro- someone could just be observing the relationships between like Max and Liz at school and be like, something happened here. Yeah, maybe. And they're just like, maybe she got back. Maybe they got back. Uh, maybe Liz got back with Kyle. Because I think Kyle doesn't seem like someone, at least this, like now Kyle, yeah. maybe last mm-hmm. year. But I don't think this year Kyle would. Especially knowing he did, he knows he didn't actually sleep with her. I don't right. think he would brag about that or like. He's, yeah, he's not, a, he's not a kiss and tell boy. No. And I'm trying to remember if we, because we haven't really had a lot of school scenes. No, it's true. Very little school time this year. We haven't ha- even had like a moment because that is a very Roswell thing that two characters would be talking about something and then be like, oops, we should be in private. But <laughs> I don't think that happened. But yes, the rumor got the rumor got started. Mm-hmm. Maria is pissed that her best friend didn't tell her that she lost her virginity. And you think that's unreasonable. I do think that's unreasonable. I think that is completely typical high school girl bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I having never been a high school girl, I guess I can only throw up a, a shrug here. <laughs> I, I I think I think you you tell your friends about your uh, sexual activity when you are ready to tell them about it, um, and then uh, you frequently lie to your friends about your sexual no, activity. No, I think I feel like you're telling me the story of you. I don't I, think you're telling I'm me the story, telling of the story of average me. high school, especially girls in best friendships best friends now here's the thing i think if 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 liz was dating max would it would maria have a play-by-play of exactly how far they went at every turn probably not probably not but this is your single friend your single nerdy friend yeah slept with her ex-boyfriend out of nowhere she, she doesn't owe you anything she doesn't owe you. She doesn't owe you. It's not fair that's, to be that's mad. That's the energy that Maria comes in with. No, I don't think it's fair that she's mad, but it is completely believable that she's <laughs> mad. She is unreasonable, but also completely being sure. playing true to character. Because, yeah. and I think the same would be true if the reverse. I don't think it would be. I think it would be more surprise and like kind of judgy judginess if it was yeah. the reverse yeah. if 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 maria slept with kyle i feel like liz would have a liz would have something to say and would definitely be like why didn't you tell me right Even and though, there's also there's also the ex-boyfriend factor in in that too yes that yeah. the ex-boyfriend factor and it's the I think there's also like the sisterhood of the virgins because then mm-hmm. Maria wants to come back to the sisterhood of virgin virginity at the end. Right. And they high five over it. They even high five over it. Like it's very, which I think there is, that is a phenomenon. Yes. Um, and I think once you're, 
here's the thing. Neither of them are fucking. Once you're fucking, it, this is not a thing. It's, a, it's no longer a thing. But the, two of them are the biggest fucking virgins in the world. And so, yeah, right. she's going to get mad that she thinks her friend. That her friend left her behind. So there's yeah. there's probably even more happening there than just this happened and you didn't tell me. It's kind of just this happened. This happened. The and you didn't tell me is like the hat on top of the hat. Well, and this is like a whole new chapter of your life that I'm not in. That I'm not parallel in. Like, cause at least, cause that was part of their thing last year is like Liz had her soulmate love, but Maria had her little boy, her love happening at the same right. time. So, and they're trying to have visions together the same way. And... Exactly. They're trying to essentially <laughs> orgasm together simultaneously right. across town. Um, so, like, yes, it's completely unreasonable. I'm with you. It's unreasonable, but it didn't, it was not unbelievable. <laughs> and not just because I've seen these episodes a hundred times. Right, right, like, right. That feels, uh, that feels like where Maria is. Now. No, and I, 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 I will concede that I, I don't see it as unbelievable either, but it is, is one of those moments where we're like, come on, Maria. <laughs> yeah. No, this episode is full of, like, and you know I love Maria. This yeah. is, is a lot of fun. Okay. But it is very cute. So Maria gets all annoyed, which, unreasonable, gets all annoyed at, <laughs> at Liz. And like, fine, I guess you don't tell me anything. Whatever. It's so weird. <laughs> Leaves. And then at three in the morning, Liz can't sleep. She calls Maria in the middle of the night so they can meet at a fountain so that Liz can confess everything. And not just like it's it, it's very funny because the the thing that you said is like, yeah, that uh, Liz is like leaving Maria behind in like their virgin escapades. Yeah. But like, it's not even that. It's way it's like, oh, no, it's like aliens and time travel. <laughs> And she comes out with all of it, tells her everything. Uh, and but Maria's thing still is like, but we're still virgins, right? High five. <laughs> <laughs> I know this totally crazy thing happened to you that I cannot possibly relate, but at least you're not fucking. Woo! Uh, Maria also wearing like a cute jacket and like hat. Oh, this. Maria's uh, looking lovely. She's looking great. And maybe that's also just in, in stark contrast to um, the outrageous looks that we're seeing in New York City. Yes, I think it does. Like, but, yeah. yeah, Rath and Lonnie are obviously just, you know, they're serving the looks that they've been serving. Um, but like when we meet up with um, the, the first of these people that have been hijacked, uh, by, the first one by, by the emissary, um, which was uh, the, the first scene where I was like, this feels like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, it also feels a little like Matrixy. Like the guy is wearing a suit that yeah. uh, like doesn't fit well on this guy. Um, and like the, the color palette is very like drab and like, you know, had that like sort of washed out matrix um, yeah. kind of color palette to it. Um, and like they're meeting in uh, an, a big empty room with a table and two chairs, um, just like some surreal shit. Uh, so, you know, just seeing Maria look like normal and cute. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. Well, honestly, every time they went back to the crash town, I was like, oh, the crash town. This is like comfortable. <laughs> <Again>. Yes. <laughs> Because yes. the city is scary. Yeah. Um, 
And not just if you're going to the top of the Empire State Building. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary everywhere. It's scary everywhere. Look, um, there's just like big plumes of steam shooting out everywhere. Oh my god, out of everything. Uh, we also have uh, Liz. Liz is different now since she was saved two seasons ago. <laughs> we decided <laughs> she's been changed. She, so she's she, different now, Asterix, the whole time we've known her. Yeah, she's, every yeah. every scene of the show, she's been different. Um, And so she's able to communicate across time and space to Max. And I guess she can see him. And, like, stuff around him, him, too. Yeah, she yeah. warns him that he's about to get killed. Um, And saves his life. So now they're even. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't know about that because Max saved her life at like great expense of exposing himself as an alien. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas it doesn't seem like Liz gave no. up anything to save him just now. Nothing at all. But she, like did. she wanted to do that. She did. And, she did. Yeah. Um, I did like. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. she's she's full of shit. But then at the end, he's like. I have to, I'm going to ask you a question and then I promise I'll never ask you again. <laughs> a question, by the way, he's asked many times already. Yes. And then he did says, you cut, did you fuck Kyle Valenti? Did you fuck Kyle Valenti? And then she doesn't really answer. No. Like, okay. Okay. It. And it's like, no, what? You said you'd never ask this question again. This is very important to you. And you're not even going to make her verbalize her response. It's a, I mean, they they go through like a, it it, it is a wild scene because it starts with them being like cute and like looking in the yeah. mirror and she's like, I keep expecting to see something, you know, different. Again, she's been this way for two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, Max like pops up little like bunny ears behind her, like yeah, their alien yeah. a- antenna, which is is cute. It is them being silly. It's them making light of the. Uh, of the supernatural things in their life and then it shifts on a dime good old max it's like we gotta look the scene is too cheerful we gotta put some glow around this thing (laughs) let's remind you of your ultimate betrayal yeah max god damn it max but he is saying at least that he wants to be friends so we do kind of have at least we're not going to keep moving forward because it's been it's been kind of rough these it last has. few episodes for them. So they're going to try to be friends. Well, and he's saying that he wants to be friends, but then in asking that question about did you fuck Kyle, what he's really asking is like, is there a future for us romantically? Right? Like he's trying to gauge on what level she betrayed him. Right? Yes, but. No answer to that question is that helpful to their romantic future. True. Because True. either she did, and that's trouble, or she didn't, and she's been lying to you and wants you to believe that she did. <laughs> Which, like, that's her saying no, too. Like, both are her saying yeah. no, she doesn't want to be with you romantically. Right. So I, I get that he wants the difference of the nuance and wants to torture himself over the new, but, like... <laughs> or her saying i don't want a romantic relationship with you yeah yep um good, but good now job maria, yeah but now maria's in the secret because liz cannot keep a secret no not to save her life oh okay no. now now we gotta talk about maria at the end of this episode and her 
Maria and Brody. I don't know how to structure this uh, or what we even have to acknowledge. Um, but like, what is she doing? Why is I she still? I like, think she likes attention. Yes. I think she's being nice. But I think like she's she's now having like regular meals with him and hanging out with him. She's bringing a meal to him when he doesn't even order one. I know. Patrick, I, I know. Okay. And he is a grown man and she's in a high grown school. ass man. Yeah. I look, I know that this is not that show. Yeah. But when Maria was bringing him the sandwich and he wasn't expecting her um, and she like opens the door to the control room or whatever the fuck it is at the UFO center. um, And he's not like immediately there to be like, Oh, my sandwich. Um, I was like, we're going to see this guy hanging from a rope, (laughs) like (laughs) just swaying, just like the weight of the world and of being abducted. It got too much for poor Brody and he killed himself. Um, Honestly, that would be more emotionally healthy for her than this like ongoing <sighs> flirtation. Flirtation. She is, she is actively flirting with this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it's problematic. Now again, if this was Roswell, New Mexico and these were all adult people, different. I would entertain this as a ship. I'm not saying it's unshippable <laughs> if they're all adults. <laughs> But in its um, I, current I mean, state, it's not shippable. I in, in its current state, and honestly, even if they are adults, the fact that Maria has all this inside information about like how like that there are aliens and that like this guy is like blacking out due to alien activity and she's like not sharing that with like it becomes grody for a different reason. I guess, but but then I feel like the light flirtation, you can just stay in that space. Yeah, that's true. To me, the light flirtation is messed up and gross because she's 16 years old. Maybe 17. But she's not a grown-up. No. Not not at all. Yeah. I mean, I also, of course, have an OTP with her, so I would never ship it that hard. But I wouldn't be against her flirting with some random person if that person wasn't an adult. And just a fucking weird adult, too. Yeah, he is weird. But I think that's part of I think that's part of what she likes about him. Oh, you're right. Um, <laughs> guess what? He exists in this next episode we're about to watch. <laughs> All right, great. Um, before we move on to talking about yeah. the next episode that we are about to watch, um, I did just want to acknowledge uh that and, and you mentioned it as we were watching, um, that like how fucking cool would it be to live above a diner that you can oh, go down dream. into in the middle of the night and like get some cake, get some pie, have some like stale coffee. Like what the f- sit in a booth. God damn. Oh my God. Yeah. I would, I'd be into it. There's um on Zillow right now. There's like a mini Mart where you can buy that. There's like a house and a mini Mart. that's for sale. Sure. For, like sure. it's less than a million dollars. Um, And I was like, I would, which for that. LA is great. For of LA is great. Yeah. Yeah. For LA in 2021. Um, But like, I'm like, yeah, just, I mean, you couldn't really eat out of your mini mart either. You probably shouldn't eat the wares, but like, <laughs> I, could, I could turn it into a cake shop. Yeah. Cake 100%. You know, there, I, I feel like there was a, a thing going around, maybe this is even like a year ago now, 
Um, but uh, a a clip from a um, you know TV show where they were uh, like interviewing people about like their lives in their weird houses and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and a guy having like a a, a old fashioned fifties diner in his basement, um, oh and like it being like lame and creepy and then like uh the the clip goes on to further reveal that like he's also like a doomsday cult kind of person and is like (laughs) saving up with canned goods and like shotguns and stuff but also has a small army of sex dolls down there that like he talks to like it just keeps getting weirder and weirder um but like you know it is one of those things that's like so easy and that we are all correct to make fun of right like having a 50s diner in your basement is uh like lame and stupid and probably white supremacist like at the heart of it um but yeah. like man i would kill to have access to a booth <laughs> right now i would love it i probably I wouldn't murder it. anyone probably not but if you happen to murder anyone you didn't tell me about it and then you just said there's a booth available that we could go sit at i would do it yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's watch a Roswell Christmas Carol. Let's do it. Who is the Christmas Nazi? Isabel Evans. What does Max bring with him to the Christmas tree lot? Uh, The uh, diagram from the Christmas Nazi. Of a Christmas tree. What song does the ghost sing to Max on Liz's outdoor rooftop space? I don't remember. Oh, it is Amazing Grace. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, after meeting Sydney, what does Maria decide to do? <laughs> Become, become Sydney's mother and marry Brody. Um, and th- this one might be uh, too tough, but I the it was a punchline, so it, it made me laugh. So it became a question: What is Isabel skipping in order to help Michael shop for Maria? The dog parade. Christmas dog show is how she describes it. Dog show. Um, there may be a parade involved. Probably. What day does Maria want to exchange presents on? Christmas motherfucking day. <laughs> it's true. This is a hard one. This is a tough episode. To- okay. There's And we didn't even get into the G.O.D. of it. No, and we will. We have to. We have to get into the G.O.D. of it. But let's start with the, you know, X.M.A.S. of it all. Yes. Because- I love- i love christmas too christmas this year obviously was a bummer yes um and further it made watching all christmas media that much more difficult because the message of every christmas movie of every christmas episode of tv or whatever is like things might be bad but at least we can be together (laughs) we can all be together Yeah, but yeah. I think it made it all sadder. I guess it didn't make the it less effective as yeah. Christmas, but mm-hmm. 
make it oh it's just a sad everything was a sad christmas movie this year yeah that's right um this uh uh you know la- last year um sarah and i were watching um Shit's Creek for for the first time. Like we we'd seen like the the first season, and then we're like, oh, you know, it's cute, whatever. Um, and uh, so like really got into it uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and uh, I think the most effective episode for me uh, of of that show is their Christmas episode, like end of season three. Okay. Uh, uh, and it was because it was we saw it like leading up to Christmas this year, and mm-hmm. I was just like. Well, this is just uh, a devastatingly sad <laughs> story about like, oh yeah, these people can all be together at Christmas. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, but I would say that togetherness is sort of the theme of this. There's a lot of Christmas stories happening. Yes, true. Um, yeah. I would say that like the test story is the one that I could find the most like, feels more like real reality yeah i mean it's it's anchored in the like uh people not embracing the christmas spirit until there's one person who really wants to do it and then they do it and then they're all together well it also is like people everyone's well-meaning but they're still missing the boat on what can be helpful to each other yes because yes. tess doesn't flat out say like i want a christmas you guys suck she is hinting pretty heavily, but like I get why they don't understand. They're yeah. used to their traditions of just like hanging out and watching football. And like in in so doing, that is like a very the two of they're like they're bonding. They're yes. they, like their relationship grows with their mm-hmm. on Christmas Christmas. Yes, exactly. But Tess wants to experience togetherness and sharing a meal at the table and not at the couch. And carving a turkey and leaving all the meat still on the bone, but carved. I don't know. It's the weirdest way to carve a turkey, but I guess that's what happens when you use alien magic to do it. Yeah, she was using her alien powers. Uh, She did not use a carving knife. Um, We also get the return of Amy DeLuca. The triumphant, I would say, return of Amy DeLuca. Yeah, it's pretty great. She's charming. Um, so charming <laughs> wonderful screen presence also just uh you know we haven't gotten a lot of sheriff valenti this year mm-hmm. uh, and even like even kyle i feel like has sort of a, a sporadic presence on the show um and so it's kind of cool to just be like no, no no look i know we've been dealing with like in like doubles and we went to new york and we mm-hmm. went uh skin city and we went to all these places yeah. and met all different aliens and like no 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 this one is just back in roswell with like just and a a a road trip to Phoenix, yes. I guess also in there. But like these are all the characters we know, and like we're pulling in uh, the the minor characters that we've you know met before that are just like part of this world and not part of the sci-fi of it all. Yes, and it's also kind of a check in on how Tess is doing at the Valenti household. Yes, um, yeah, we haven't really seen that since like early in the season, right? So it's it's very it's very sweet and to me partially because it sidesteps some of the things that are going on in the other episodes like it's the most heartwarming storyline to me. Cuz again it's all these people who are good people who mean well and then they figure out their communications issues and appreciate each other and support each other. 
Um, and there's no magic. <laughs> that's that. Well, except for cutting the turkey, of course. Alien work. Aliens are science. Yes. Um, does Sheriff Valenti like recognize what like Kyle sees what Tess is doing, right? And he he like sort of makes amends with her, and like they share like a real moment, but like Sheriff Valenti just sort of like is flirting with uh, Amy DeLuca. Well, I feel like she gives a gift to Sheriff Valenti. I don't know that she needs to get appreciation from everybody for all her greatness. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But I think it's that she goes out of her way to create not just the dream Christmas that she wants, but also to give, you know, give Sheriff Valenti something he needs or wants. And then same with Kyle making his favorite food. And then Kyle appreciates her. So I don't know that I needed Sheriff Valenti to also appreciate her. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would just be nice on like a like sort of karmic level for him not for him to just like notice her, <laughs> notice her. Like, yeah, he's a spoon in this episode, though. He's yeah, he, not. <laughs> he's not given three dimensions. Like he's throwing around meaty man dinners in the, in the grocery store. He starts bubbling like a right. child when Amy talks to him. Like. He runs across their coffee table. It <laughs> in, takes a lot for him to remember yes. what chair, how many chairs you need at a table. Like he does it. He's in La La Land. That's true. He's in full buffoon mode. Yeah, but it's I like buffoon mode. I like that he runs on the table with his little socks. <laughs> it's cute. It 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 is cute. It is cute. You're right. So that storyline, I give an A plus. I love that storyline. Yes, very sweet, very charming. What we are also, we gonna What are we gonna do with the rest of this? <laughs> I know. Okay, we could talk. Let's work our way up to it. So then we also have the storyline of Isabel. Apparently, is a Christmas Nazi, meaning that she is obsessed with Christmas and wants Christmas to be perfect, and so she goes out of her way, pushing on other people that they need to act based on very specific things and follow specific doctrine in order to achieve the perfect christmas right as evidenced by her christmas diagram i think the christmas diagram is the worst thing she does (laughs) i think it i think that's pretty bad i think the way that she like addresses um everyone at that christmas concert or whatever it is where she's like you probably know me from this or from doing this christmas thing for you or this fucking christmas thing it's like isabel this is your baggage not everyone else's yes and so it's a little intense i do like it again it's sort of like last episode i just like seeing Catherine heigl get to do different things so i like like as a as a performance it's fun i'm glad it's not the primary plot of the episode uh, but it really doesn't. She kind of just gets proven. She's she gets proven right. Yes. Yes. Um, in, in her relationship. Yeah. yeah. In her- <laughs> well, and so. in, in Michael's and and Michael and Maria's relationship specifically gets proven right in a way that I am like physically uncomfortable with. <laughs> like I do not like that his gift, which is in fact thoughtful, and him like mm-hmm. making something that that is not uh enough or doesn't count for maria and that like the thing that he needed to do was just spend a bunch of money on her yes i don't like it i 
think it's short. I think it sells out Maria. Totally. Um, I there is something funny to her being like it is thoughtful and it is something I would never buy for myself. Okay, cool. So now where's my present? There is that is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So I guess even though I ship them and I love them and I want and I love Maria to death, I'm okay. I think it like I've. I've like can be okay in my heart with this storyline, even though it does sell out Maria in order f- for the joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not a great, like that, the way that the test storyline makes me feel better about life and humanity and whatever. Yeah. That one, Michael makes me feel worse. one doesn't, especially because, and I know she shows up with like a gift in her, you know, a little present in her hand. We don't see what she gave him. So we have no context. <laughs> like, did she give him anything good? We don't know. But it, I mean, it, that also doesn't matter, though, because I, I don't think Michael needs a present. And in fact, might even resent getting one. Yeah, but it could balance the scales of what she thinks yeah. is an appropriate present. Because again, she does acknowledge that the bumper for her Jetta is thoughtful. She never would have gotten it for herself. Mm-hmm. It, she needed it. Been hanging on a string. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I do think metaphorically that is kind of what their relationship is. Like that he provides things for her that she may need, but not necessarily what she imagined that she wants. Yeah. But I, I, there's a way, I, I guess in my fantasy version of this is that she would be like, Oh, I don't need you know, like that. She would recognize that one is more valuable than the other, and it wouldn't be the one that's worth more dollars. Yeah, I mean, it is because she does like after she opens the earrings and uh, expresses, "You must have spent a fortune on this," yeah. which is like like rock bottom for Maria, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, but like, she does for a second. This is the episode where she almost marries Brody. So I don't know. If uh, yeah, is, that's true. You're right. This episode, she's having a rough. This is her. She's in a skid. Oh, no. She's turning into the skid. All right. Okay. So maybe maybe this is just Maria's having a weird fucking week. The holidays are hard on everyone. She briefly contemplated adopting a dying child. And not just like not just like a a child who is dying eventually, but like is going to take a turn for the worse yep. tonight. Tonight. Oh god. Um, okay, so that that one's that's that story is rough. Um can we touch on uh the blank Nazi? Just the form of yeah. uh the the Christmas Nazi. Uh, you know, echoes obviously of the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Um, when my sister was getting married, oh. um, uh, I believe we referred to my mother as the wedding Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of this, uh, I, I, I don't. Why, why, why were we cool with this in the uh, like late '90s, early 2000s? Here's the things. I was much cooler with Nazi being thrown mm-hmm. around when I wasn't worried about actual Nazis in real life. I think that's it. I think so that's like it goes it. back to, and this a joke that was ruined, but one of my favorite jokes from the movie blues brothers. Yeah. Fucking Illinois when they're Nazis. In traffic, he's like, I fucking hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah. That's funny, but it's not funny anymore. Right. Cause it's just and like, I don't think of course you do. Because, yeah. <laughs> Cause they're actual, they're, there are Nazis. Um, in Illinois. In Illinois. In every single state in America. Yeah, 
Um, so anyway, so I think I think it was I think here's the thing. Honestly, by the time this episode came out, this may have been the tipping point of it was hack. Yeah, but I don't think what you're bringing up is the hackiness necessarily. No, I yeah, that's you're correct on both counts. Um, yeah, that like it's crime. It's crime at the time was being hack. It's crime now is like being rhetorically irrelevant or uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know how I to describe we, it. I think that hopefully I do think that we are more thoughtful with language or more sensitive to language now. That's true. In in the last episode, uh, Wrath did drop a hard R. Yeah, that's true. Um, we didn't bring it up, but we both right. get like we're yeah, hated we're it. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think that there is that, but like I said, I think my thing with not, I think there was room to be sarcastic about Naziness or not Nazi, not Nazism, but calling right. someone a Nazi. But it's we're pat. Yeah, maybe we're in another thirty years, I maybe. But I Maybe. don't even know. Um, but yeah, so like I would never call anyone as something Nazi now. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's it's too much. And also, like, I the whole time I was wondering, like, how the episode and how, like, Isabel's behavior would play if they never labeled it. Um, if, like, everyone didn't, like, acknowledge, like, oh, this is her behavior and this is the thing we put up with. And, like... You know, her mentioning it at that uh, at at the concert and being like, or some of you may know me, the yeah. Christmas Nazi, where she's like, well, like we we just don't need that. Like, no. let's just let her be obsessive about Christmas, and like that's kind of funny on its own. Yes, but that's a lot more work. I that's, agree. I mean, that's, that's show true. don't tell, right? Like, showing mm-hmm. is much more work than just, especially because like you get jokes, like you can have, uh. Uh, Michael say mine Fuhrer or whatever later in the, like I believe he says hail it, hail the Christmas Nazi or something like that yeah and then at one point he, yeah and at one point he says mine Fuhrer like he which <laughs> I, I'm not defending these jokes I'm just saying that they right it, are it, in fact yeah. jokes yes. yes and it as a that is the running joke of the episode, but I think you're right. Her obsessive behavior in its face is funny enough and interesting enough that you don't really need that runner for it to be a dynamic. Like it's still a good, pl- I think it's still a good subplot. Right. And also, I mean, I, you know, it, it's not, I guess it's not something I would have called out 20 years ago, even, even for being hack. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it is, it is almost certainly looking at it through the lens of the lens. We have to look through it. Yes. which is our current lens i also think and i i think this and we haven't gotten we haven't really gotten to the heavy god parts (laughs) i think that if i were rewriting this if we're rewriting this episode i think i would cut the nazi business and Mm -hmm. i think that i would instead try to run the two thematic because because really is what isabel's trying to do with christmas is the opposite of the message of the that uh, Liz ultimately delivers. That yes. you have the faith that there is something that's going to work out for you instead of trying to make things be a certain way. Yes. But the, the, sh- the show does not do that. The show does not tie those together at all. No, not at all. But I think there you could, a person could. 
And it's also right. the, those are two separate ri- ribbons running side ribbons. by side. Yeah, that are side by <laughs> should side. Should be a bow. Should be a yeah, bow. Should be a, could be a bow. Could be a bow. But yes. you've got a Nazi in the middle, and so you're just like, that's what we're doing instead. <laughs> um, because the main plot. Because also that's the other thing is I do appreciate the the obsess Christmas obsessive storyline for Isabel because it is so. You know, other than every time they say Nazi, we have to think about actual Nazis. It is so light and fluffy compared to how depressed, like the the storyline that Max has is very depressing on oh every level. God. Yes, yes, yeah. So... We need we need the levity, and we need yes, one hundred percent. Because Max's Max's shit, and look, I you know he is the professional brooder, right? Like he is Mister Doom, Mister Gloom. Um, so like. It is appropriate that the episode starts with him witnessing a man uh, killed uh, in in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he's haunted by the spirit of of that man who, like, just sort of taunts him for not saving his life. Yes. And this end seems to be a manifestation of maybe an angel, but of, like, God. Because has... At first, it seems like maybe it's a projection of Max's own consciousness because he says, mm-hmm. like, I know your thoughts, your be- I know everything inside you, Max. I know what your beliefs right. and your soul and your head, brain think. But then he gets information. He has other he has information of where sick kids have gone. So detailed information. <laughs> like then it becomes, OK, he's a little bit more omniscient than that. And then. Right. But he seems to. So essentially, God in the body of this dead man comes to Max and haunts him. Or we could call it a ghost, but it would be like an omniscient ghost that seems to have a plan. Yes. Yes. And this dovetails with the Maria story, the Maria Brody story Mm -hmm. of, uh, she discovers that Brody has a five-year-old daughter who has been diagnosed with, or I guess has been uh, suffering from uh, this bone cancer for a yes, long time. Because uh, Maria is part of a caroling group, and the caroling group only goes to the homes of kids who are gone through are going through deep tragedy. So right. they show up the day after this man dies. They show up the to his wife after. and after children and sing to them, and then they walk down the street and say, "Oh, this is a, there's a five year old who lives here who has cancer." And then they sing to Sydney and Brody. With this is so this is an outrageous uh, development. I want to know what organization this is that is just putting together <laughs> addresses of or people who have been through really, something awful. Or are they not only visiting tragedy people? There's just a really gossipy girl. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's just She's one. Like, oh my god, there's a five year old with cancer in this house. Just every house they go to, she's like, oh, my God, (laughs) says everything she knows about the people who live there. Possibly. But that's how that's how Maria finds out that's one, that Sydney exists. (laughs) And two, that she has cancer. And her and then so the next day she goes to to see to see Brody and to meet Sydney and then leaves there and says, I'm going to marry. Okay, I'll just give up my life. 
Well, hold on. Let's not blow past uh, her actual interaction with Brody because it too is wild. <laughs> um, they're like hanging out in the backyard, and uh, she's uh, they're they're talking about uh, Sydney, and Maria starts a sentence. She has, and you know, and this is like you know, she's she's staying with me for yeah. a couple days, and Maria goes, she has, and I thought the end of that sentence was like a mother in another city or yeah. you know something like that, but Brody ends it with cancer yeah yep. <laughs> As, which le- leads me back to that caroling group must be explicitly targeting people who've it's suffered unclear something. it's unclear it unclear um but yeah she's got cancer i guess maybe he th- i don't know what he thought and then she meets sydney but sydney has n- no interest in her <laughs> just blows no, right by her and it's like what daddy look at my fix my crown um, because Sydney has somehow gotten cast in the Roswell Christmas pageant, even though she doesn't live in a Roswell. <laughs> She's got star star power, that kid. Yeah. Um, but mean, it, it may just be like an all hands on deck kind of thing. Like if you've got a kid, bring them by; they can be in the pageant. Yes. Um, but yes, this is what causes Maria to decide sort of internally. She has a whole like crisis by herself and then brings yes. it to Liz, right? Like, Liz, I figured it out. The only way that I can be a good person is if I marry Brody and raise Sydney for the, or take care of Sydney's for her final days. Yes. And that's how I can be a good person. And Liz is like, okay, you're, you're spiraling. You're insane. Which, honestly, I really appreciate that, especially because, like, we talked kind of of the, like, dysfunctional, maybe, elements of their relationship in the Mm -hmm. last episode and and their codependence. But this is why you need a best friend, because you're going to go on some wild goose chase. Your best friend's going to be like, whoa, 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 that's insane. Let's talk this out. You need to run these things by me. Yes, there are feelings here. Let's, Let's talk about the feelings. The feeling's valid. These choices, bad. Feeling's good. Choices, bad. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that- Liz is bringing a lot of you and me energy to this conversation too, because she's yeah. like, "By the way, you're 17, and he is not. <laughs> He's a grown up. This is not great. Stop it, Maria. Stop it." Uh, and Maria does listen. She's like, "Okay, you're right. I'm I'm being a spiral person." Um, and Liz is like, "It's okay. You're a good person. You just want to help." And then Liz is like, oh, "Wait, who else wants to help people?" Max, right, can and he this solve is, this situation, and this is where, um, the crisis of what to do about Brody and Sydney, like, seemingly disappears from Maria's mind. Like she's exercised it in this conversation with Liz, yep. and then like, I don't think she comes up in relation to them at all through the rest of the episode. Well, to be fair. Within 12 hours, the problem is solved. (laughs) That is true. And Brody did not invite her over. It's not like Brody said, let's run away together tonight. Like, Right, right, right. right. She just went home and took a nap and by the time went to bed. And when she woke up in the morning, cancer was solved and she had to go see her boyfriend to get presents. Right, right. But now it's on Max's shoulders. Yes. Uh, you know, Max, obviously there are risks associated with uh, rescuing people, with uh, saving them with his medical alien powers. Um, 
and that is why he didn't uh, rescue um, the dad at the beginning of the episode. Leaves a handprint. It possibly exposes all of the aliens. Yes. Um, but the thing that Max is feeling guilty about there is like, no, it's not just that. Uh, it's it's not that I was protecting everyone else. It's that I was protecting myself. And he says, and this some I don't. This doesn't ring like true or real to me. He says like, why couldn't I trade my life for his? This is a stranger, Max. Yes, but I think he's thinking even more like literally. Like he didn't yeah. want to risk going to the white room. Yeah. For a stranger. Which I feel like that's legit. Like I, I don't know why he feels like torn up about that. I mean, I think that if you were in a situation where you could have saved someone and you didn't, you'd be upset. You could it wouldn't be unreasonable for you to have feelings about it. I, I guess especially even if, if you're, you're like, like even if I was his angel spirit, yes. And one is a risk that may or may not be real versus the real death of a man was you watch. But Max has been in a white room being tortured. And got like, saved. And that whole thing was disbanded. Sure. Sure. That I'm thing. not saying his fear was unfounded. I just, yeah, I think you would have, it's like the way people have survivor's guilt. Sure. But I mean, like feelings still exist. I'm just, you know, just like we were saying last week, like, you know, oh yeah, Liz, Liz is different. Or last week, last episode. Um, yeah. Liz, Liz is different, but she's been this different since the beginning of the series. Max has had this power and the ability to save people as demonstrated since the beginning of the series. Yes. He's just never had anyone die right in front of him. I yeah, think you're right. I think not, the no, line, yeah. why wouldn't I trade my life for his, is overwrought. Yeah, that's but, where I am on that. But I think that the feeling that would make someone say the line, so maybe it was the performance didn't do it, but I feel like the feeling of underneath that line is true to how the character was feeling. Yeah, well, and I guess maybe uh, I just wanted a more, you know, like especially coming off of, or I guess I don't remember where it's placed in the episode, but, you know, Liz just had a, a conversation of like, okay, hold on. Like you're being in, you're making an insane choice where you're yeah. sacrificing yourself for someone else um, with Maria and that she should have that same reaction here. Right. But she also believes in God, apparently. Okay. Let's do today. it. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's... God is everywhere. God's fixing all everyone's problems in this episode. Mm-hmm. But also maybe giving kids cancer for a reason. God is giving kids cancer for a reason. Uh, you you witness enough miracles and people are going to be like, you should really be going to church. Um, yeah, I don't. It's it's very it feels very out of place, very out of nowhere on the series to have so much God talk. Well, I think it's like. It works. I guess to me, it works as an aberration. I kind of teased you with while we were watching, like, oh, this is where all the God stuff begins, as if the show becomes Touched by an Angel. It doesn't. <laughs> it's just for the hol- It's just for the Christmas episode. And I guess right. if you're going to have an episode where everyone believes in God and God seems to actively be part of their lives, Christmas is the day to do it. If you're not going to do an Easter episode, I guess. <laughs> do not do an Easter episode. Do not do an Easter episode. It's a, it's a fun tip for any TV show. Do not do an Easter episode. Not, not I guess- worth it. I mean, I, the thing that's interesting about that is, like, um, 
I do have like a lot less of a problem um, when shows are, you know, embracing a more nebulous, like the Christmas spirit or the power of the holidays or like, you know, what, whatever kind of bullshit like that, which is just God in anything but name. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it was just the fact that it was so explicitly like called God and related to like, so you're coming with us to midnight mass. Um where uh, I guess so. I don't know. I think there's something to, and maybe it's because I am a secular humanist, but like, I think there's something to the Christmas spirit. You could believe is something created on earth by, it mm-hmm. could be like an undefinable thing that exists on earth created by man versus yeah. God interventionist God, which is what is in this episode. This episode yeah. definitely posits a, not thing created by the spirit between two, you know, by some not yeah, some third party. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're totally right. Like I, I definitely subscribe to the, uh, you know, the Christmas um, from <clears throat> that community episode, Abed's uncontrollable Christmas, mm-hmm. where like the message is, you know, Christmas is a shared delusion that we all have. That is, um, you know, the the darkest, coldest time of the year can also be the brightest and the warmest. It's a lie that we tell each other, and it's a good, productive lie. Yeah. Um, you know that that is a form of magic. We make the saddest, darkest, scariest part of the year uh, something good and warm, and that is something that we achieve as people together. Um, and it it comes from the people, and that like that makes sense, and I believe that, and I, I like that. Uh, but that's not what this. Oh that's, no no that's not that's that's and I think it's an interesting one because it there's there's a few different unless you want the show to become which it never officially becomes and I think if the show exists I guess the show does exist now I think they have to walk a line too if you don't want this to become a superhero origin story. You yeah, have to yes. give a reason for why Max isn't saving everybody. And the reason that Liz puts forth, as you already mentioned, mm-hmm. is maybe some of those kids are supposed to have cancer. Yep. And you don't know why. And you'll never know because God knows why. And you just have to trust that somebody bigger than you, someone smarter than you, I guess. Someone with who can see more than you. Yeah, and that's a that's a real tough one because, like, you know, we we get Michael and Max going to you know the pediatric oncology department uh, in Phoenix, yes. uh, the, the hospital in Phoenix, um, and you know Max does uh, takes Liz's suggestion and uh, heals um, Sydney, heals her cancer, and then is like wait a minute, there are all these other kids here yep. uh, and heals them all too. And it takes a toll on him and it's hard. And, you know, yeah. uh, Mike, Michael's got to like sneak him out a window, but like they get out of there pretty, seemingly pretty easily. Right. I mean, they leave silver handprints. Will that have, con- that could have consequences. Sure. Um, but like, yeah, that definitely feels like it is the superhero origin story. Like, one hundred percent, and it's like totally disingenuous to not go back to it. I mean, I think the show. When I say it never becomes a superhero show, it doesn't. But I think that 
the question of why doesn't Max save more people hangs, especially starting with this episode or like in the back half of the series is a thing that the show doesn't always ignore. In the first season and a half, it just straight up ignored it. Right. Like, it just, like, he saved Kyle, but like, no one was ever asking why he wasn't saving more people. And then in this episode, he kind of asked himself why he's not saving more people. And like I said, it comes up, it thematically it comes up again. But like, the answer to this is that we're given is because he shouldn't interrupt God's plan. Yeah, which is, and that comes from the mouth of the same person who told him to heal the kid in the first place. Yeah, and it's from our scientist, who oh, up until yeah. this moment we've None never of that feels seen. Good. <laughs> we've never we've never heard her talk about God before. We've never like it almost. And then all of our main characters go to midnight mass. <laughs> it's weird. Like if yeah. you and I and I believe it was because my mom was like, I read a list of all the top holiday episodes like so like this is on lists of like you should you know if you just want to watch holiday episodes from a bunch of shows that are on hulu you could watch this episode and i think it would give you a definite very different vibe for what the show is than oh yeah i mean i i think this episode uh probably works in isolation yes but but the questions raised and the ideas are like don't yeah don't make sense yeah Plus, you would think Maria is a real dingbat. <laughs> but, like, between the marrying Brody thing and the, like, now where's my present? Um, but, yeah, like, it, it feels, yeah, it's a we- it's a weird episode. It feels, and I know that it's not because the episode was written by one of the like main producers on the show, um, but it feels like someone's spec script. Yes. Where it's but like, t- I, I know a little bit about these characters. Yeah. I, know the, I know the relationship between the characters. I know the characters that they used a lot in season one, but haven't been using recently. <laughs> uh, and like, here's a story that like doesn't really connect to everything else. I will say, though, in the second season, there's a lot of, especially with sci-fi plots, there's a lot of those kinds of episodes. Sure, sure. Um, And so I think it also fits in with playing with this thing. But again, who is that angel? Is there, are, are we saying there are angels? Is the reason Max can see the angel because God chose Max? <clears throat> Or could Liz have seen an angel? Like, or do they live in a world where angels speak to people? Or is this, you know, just taking the uh, Ronald Moore of it all? uh, Is that are we back to Battlestar Galactica? Is this ahead? Is this? Yeah. yeah. Is is this head six? Is that maybe number? (laughs) Or is is this the return of Starbuck? Like, you know, yeah. Who who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And the show isn't, it's the show's, I think it, the Starbucks is the best analogy because the show's not really interested in explaining to us. All right. Fair enough then. Um, I mean, maybe the, uh, you know, the, we, we were talking about like the, the title of the episode being, um, you know, a Roswell Christmas Carol. And this is not like, it's, it's not playing the story of Christmas Carol, but it is maybe similarly, 
um, disinterested in like explaining like does Scrooge actually is he actually haunted by three spirits right. does he just have like you know a weird Crazy. night where he, he's thinking about his life and his past and his future um, you know and that Christmas Carol doesn't offer any like answers of like this always happens <laughs> you know right. like it would it would be stupid for it to um, and so maybe that is just the, that same um, sort of logic applied here yes and i it's a it's an interesting little story to tell with these characters i think you're right it does feel like the spec script of it all or that that vibe is also like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't yeah you could have written this before the season started yeah totally no continuity things there's no ongoing story i mean the thing of like Max and Liz's friendship, sure, but then they're like holding, ha- they're gripping each other's hands in the final scene. Like that's not yeah. friendly. Like, yeah, it does feel like a. It feels like you could have written this episode before plotting out any of the rest of the season. Yeah, and maybe they did. Who knows? That wasn't in my little book of facts about the show. But it, do you? It, it, were there, there were no fun facts about this episode. No, they're no, there's, yeah, I'm not, this book is not, the book I had from season one had fun facts. There's not a lot of fun facts in this. There are weird facts that we can get into more around the fandom of it, but not really the sure. action. Um, well, I'm glad that you don't have a book with uh, as much fun info about, because now, now we get to write the questions. Yeah, we get to write the questions, so that's, that's good <laughs> yeah uh. um, but yeah i the episode is its own little thing mm-hmm. but it's i kind of want to get back to the sto- other stories <laughs> yeah, me too and it's not like it's not a total loss you know no. like uh, th- there are parts of it, obviously, that that are fun. Like the the Isabel runner is is fun. Uh, okay, but where's my real present? Is a funny joke. It is if, a funny joke. If it sort of nukes the character a little bit. Okay. Um. So yeah, you know, it's it's not a it's not a a, a total garbage fire, but <laughs> yeah, what a, what a weird one! What a weird one, man! It is a weird one. Uh, but let's have a week and then we'll come back and talk about some other episodes absolutely (laughs) thank you for listening to welcome back to roswell if you enjoy the show please leave us a review over at apple podcasts or follow us on uh, social media we're at roswell pod on twitter and instagram take care and have a great week